please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode. High inflation is refusing to budge. I'll also tell you when our U.S. economist believes inflation will peak and cool off. Plus, we have a couple of investment ideas if you're looking to benefit from these higher interest rates. And Morningstar's behavioral economist Sarah Newcomb shares how you can reshape your thinking to make better financial decisions. This is Investing Insights. Welcome to the new Investing Insights. I'm your host, Ivana Hampton. We're bringing you a new format with a mix of market news, analyst insights, and personal finance tips. And let's kick it off with a look at your Morningstar headlines. Inflation is proving itself to be stubborn time and time again. The Bureau of Labor Statistics released the August Consumer Price Index report this week, and it showed inflation ticked up higher last month to 8.3% compared to the same time last year. It dipped from July, but still set above experts' expectations. Fuel prices have fallen. However, food, housing, and healthcare costs remain high. Morningstar's U.S. economist Preston Caldwell cautions investors against overreacting because the inflation numbers can be volatile on a month-to-month basis. And he thinks the disappointing report has cemented the case for the Fed to raise interest rates by 0.75 percentage points next week. Caldwell believes the 40-year high inflation is expected to peak this year before cooling off next year. The combination of supply constraints ending and the effect from the Fed's interest rate hikes should have an impact. He says short-term inflation is striking, but a deeper look at the numbers shows there may be less reason to panic in the long term. You can read about his thoughts on the latest CPI report and his inflation outlook. The link is in the show notes. Kroger's private label offerings and broad portfolio underpinned the second quarter earnings. Morningstar still expects low revenue growth and adjusted operating margins on average over the next decade. The leading U.S. grocer has lifted its full-year outlook, and we're encouraged that management thinks Kroger's pricing is on solid footing when compared with competitors. Its efforts to extend its digital reach into new markets with fulfillment centers have met with success. That's according to leadership's customer surveys. And we believe that will allow Kroger to realize profitable growth without having to build a store presence in new markets. The retailer is building loyalty with its Boost membership program. It bundles delivery and extra fuel rewards for an annual fee. And we're expecting to increase our $48 estimate of what we think the stock is worth. However, we suggest investors wait for an attractive entry point before buying shares. Your unexamined attitudes and beliefs about money can affect your financial decisions. Morningstar behavioral economist Sarah Newcomb explains financial psychology is the study of what we do with our money. Cognitive, social, emotional, and cultural factors all play a role in our financial decisions. For example, if a loved one dies, we could have difficulty spending or enjoying any wealth that was left to us because we may feel like we're betraying someone by benefiting in any way from their death. And this has to do with grieving, but it still plays a role in our financial behavior. Newcomb says what makes one person a big spender and another a diligent saver has more to do with how people think about spending and saving rather than factors like age or income. She says that understanding our own financial attitudes and beliefs can help us make better decisions. Newcomb suggests asking yourself questions about how you relate to money, such as, is this healthy 
Or is this even true? If the answers are no, then you can start to explore and reshape those beliefs. You can read more from Sarah Newcomb about financial psychology. A link is in the show notes. Climate Week NYC will kick off next week. Leaders, activists, and others will come together to talk about ways people and businesses can take action. Airlines are increasingly offering passengers the opportunity to buy carbon offsets to nullify their travel's climate impact. And travelers have been reluctant buyers so far. Chris Enton is an equity strategist for Morningstar Research Services. He's part of the team that covers ESG. That stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. Well, Chris, let's talk about carbon offsets. What are they and what's the purpose for them? Carbon offsets are funds for projects intended to mitigate greenhouse gas pollutive activities. For example, the funds could be used to protect the forests. So arguably, the fact that the trees will still be there results in carbon that would have been released into the atmosphere instead staying put. It's a way to mitigate or offset the pollution you created. For some, it's seen as a way of reducing your carbon footprint and could arguably be useful for activities like flying that don't have a low or no carbon option right now. So you recently wrote an article stating that there was a disconnect between what travelers say factor into their ticket buying decision versus to what does. Can you tell us about that? Across a number of consumer surveys, a large majority of consumers say sustainability is a very or somewhat important factor in their purchase decisions. But when we look at the actual purchase activity, there appears to be a value action or attitude behavior gap. According to industry data, less than 1% of flyers are actually buying offsets with their plane ticket. Now, there's possible explanations. Maybe consumers aren't buying offsets through the airline. Maybe a corporate program bought an offset already. Maybe. But the actual share of flights being offset is still probably very low. And what risks would the airline industry face if the government were to require something like carbon taxes? If a carbon tax was enacted... Airlines would probably pass on most, if not all, of the tax onto the end traveler. This is probably not going to affect business travel, which is less sensitive to price, but would probably meaningfully affect price-sensitive leisure travelers. You can see these folks take fewer or closer vacations, uh, use trains or other means for regional travel, or other actions that could hurt the airlines. Still, we think the probability is low. Uh, Meanwhile, it's also worth mentioning that the air travel industry hasn't really sat idly by here. Uh, There's a constant push for improved fuel efficiency to lower operating costs. But that has an added benefit because it also reduces the carbon footprint of flying at the same time. So if we are looking at the airline industry and just airlines in general today, how are they faring? Generally, airline stocks have retreated year-to-date more than the market. Uh, A a slew of operational struggles and constrained capacity with economic challenges on top of all of that have been a major challenge. But even after accounting for ESG risks, we still think the airline stocks look cheap right now. One undervalued European name we like is Ryanair, which trades in four-star territory. Ryanair has a strong balance sheet favorable hedging position, 
and a proven track record that places it in a good position despite an uncertain outlook. All of the North American airline stocks we cover, Air Canada, American Airlines, Delta Airlines, Southwest, and United trade in four-star territory. All companies are seeing strong travel demand, though labor shortages are limiting capacity and weighing on near-term results. We think that capacity can return more to more normal levels as labor needs are met. Thanks, Chris, for joining us today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Morningstar's U.S. economist Preston Caldwell believes inflation will peak this year and begin cooling off next year. We're days away from the upcoming Federal Reserve meeting, and the Fed is expected to raise interest rates to fight inflation. Morningstar's director of content, Susan Jabinski, has a couple of stock pick ideas for this economic environment. Hi, I'm Susan Jabinski with Morningstar. Many investment service firms, such as wealth managers, retail brokerages, and asset managers, have businesses that are sensitive to interest rate movements. For example, clients at retail brokerages typically have 5 to 20% of their account balance in cash. The brokerage sweeps that cash into a bank subsidiary, and that bank uses those cash deposits to make loans or to invest in fixed income securities. They may also earn asset management or distribution fees on client assets and money market funds. Given that we're in a rising interest rate environment, our analysts recently took a look at which investment service firms are most likely to benefit from higher interest rates. They came up with two stock picks. Our first pick is Charles Schwab stock. More than 50% of Charles Schwab's net revenue is tied to interest rates, with about half of its interest-earning assets driven by short-term interest rates and the other half driven by longer-term interest rates. The firm should receive an immediate revenue lift from rising interest rates and then sustained earnings growth as the yield of its securities portfolio, tied to longer-term interest rates, reprices over several years. Given its massive size and industry-leading cost efficiency, Charles Schwab has significant competitive advantages. We therefore assign the stock a wide economic moat rating. And we think Charles Schwab stock is worth $84. Our second idea is LPL financial stock. LPL financial should see significant operating margin expansion from a rise in short-term interest rates, as well as near-term revenue growth. In fact, we forecast that gross profit will increase about 40% over the next two years, in large part because of rising interest rates. Pre-tax income will potentially double too. We assign LPL Financial a narrow economic moat rating, thanks to the high retention of advisors on its platform and the stickiness of investor assets. Thanks, Susan, for sharing those stock ideas. And we want to hear from all of you out there about what you think of the new format of Investing Insights. Email us at podcast at morningstar.com. Thanks to podcast producer Jake Vankerson, who puts this show together. And I'm thanking you for listening to Investing Insights. I'm your host, Ivana Hampton. I'm a senior multimedia editor at Morningstar. Take care. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of Morningstar Inc. and its affiliates. Morningstar and its affiliates are not affiliated with this guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. Morningstar does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered tax advice. 
please consult a tax and or financial professional for advice specific to your individual circumstances. Morningstar Research Services, LLC, is a subsidiary of Morningstar, Inc., and is registered with and governed by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Morningstar Research Services shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decision.